Hornet Heaven. A Good Impression. Written by Ollie Wicken. Read by Colin Mace. Earth Season 2022 23. Come in, come in. Thank you for coming. Do take a seat, both of you. Cheers, Bill. Cheers, Mr Mainwood. So, uh, how can we help, Mr Mainwood? Bill. Call me Bill. Well, as you probably know, I'm always on the lookout for Watford fans with interesting stories for my chat shows in the atrium. And I heard on the grapevine that you two have got a very good tale. I'd love to hear it. Sure, Bill. OK, then. So, shall I just start, Dad, uh, and you chip in, yeah? Fine by me. Well, it all began in 1987, Bill, in the summer. Summer 87. Watford fans were feeling a bit flat back then, I remember. That's right. We got to the semis of the FA Cup and could have got to the cup final if we hadn't had a wine bar waiter in goal. Gary Plumley, Terrible hands. The floor of his wine bar must have been covered in broken glass. And Graham Taylor was as disappointed as the rest of us, it turned out, of course, which was what brought the first GT era to an end. Yeah, it wasn't a good time, but in particular, it wasn't good because of Dad. I hope you're not pinning Watford's troubles on me, son. Dad had been in an accident, you see, Bill. He was in hospital in a coma. Oh, oh dear. I couldn't be woken up. A bit like our defence in the Premier League last season. <laughs> it must have been awful. It was, Bill. I feared the worst, but kept hoping for the best. I went to visit Dad every day. I didn't know if he could hear me or not, but I kept going and I just talked and talked. A right Graham Taylor he was, Bill, or so he says. I didn't hear a word of it. And what I talked about was the horns. It was what I'd always talked to Dad about all my life every day. Up to then, we'd been having, like, a non-stop conversation. He was my best football mate from when he was a little kid. So I sat at his bedside and I talked about the football we'd watched together. All of it. The furphy years. I hope you skipped the George Kirby and Mike Keane years. And the brilliant early Taylor years. It was good remembering the times Dad and I had shared. Well, it was good for me anyway. I'd have enjoyed it too, son. I wish I'd heard you. But none of the memories seemed to have any kind of effect on Dad. I'd heard about people being talked out of their comas, you see, and I'd been hoping the nostalgia might have got a reaction from him, but there was no sign of anything. So maybe, I thought, maybe I should try and get him excited about the season coming up, 1987-88, by telling him the latest goings-on at the club. I had the idea that every Friday I could tell him the latest from the Watford Observer. Oh, I loved getting the Watford Observer on Friday mornings. Me too, Bill. When he lived at home with me, we used to sit side by side at the breakfast table once a week, eating our toast with the Watford Observer sports page spread out in front of us. Wonderful. But pretty quickly I realised there was going to be a problem with reading out stuff from the Observer because there was so much bad news coming out of the club that summer and I wanted to keep things cheerful for Dad. He was in a bad enough way already. In the end, I decided I'd tell him some of the latest but leave out the worst things that were going on. It was censorship, Bill. It was 1984 in 1987. 
but uh, it sounds a reasonable thing to do, given the state you were in. Thank you. I thought so too, Bill. But it meant I never told Dad that Graham Taylor had left Watford, or John Barnes. Golly! And I definitely wasn't going to tell him that Dave Bassett was the new manager. It just seemed the best thing to do at the time, not to mention it. He kept it all from me. I bet you wish you'd never known about Dave Bassett yourself, Bill. But of course, not mentioning Taylor and Barnes and Bassett didn't leave me much to talk about, so I decided to improvise a bit. I started making a few things up here and there. Good things. Things I thought would cheer Dad up, or maybe even wake him up. Little white lies, if you like. He straight up fibbed to his old man, Bill. <laughs> Despicable. To be fair, Dad, you were at death's door. You wouldn't have wanted the last thing you heard in life to be, Morning, Dad. Dave Bassett's the new Watford manager and the place is a total bimfire. True. That is fair. Anyway, Bill, it was July and I needed to come up with something positive, so I made up a bit of transfer speculation. He was like an early version of the Tinternet, Bill. I told him we were in for Dave Bennett at Coventry, who'd just scored in the FA Cup final. It was just something to say, really. But then I carried on and came up with a few other players we'd been linked with, though obviously it was only me doing the linking. <laughs> it really was like an early version of the internet. But Dad still wasn't reacting to anything I was saying, so I decided to raise the stakes. Next time I went bigger, a lot bigger. I told him we'd actually signed someone, and not just anyone. I told him Graham Taylor had landed the transfer coup of the summer. I announced Rude Hullet and Marco Van Basten. Golly, didn't they both actually sign for AC Milan that summer? Wasn't Hullet's the world record transfer fee? That's right. I was hoping Dad would be so amazed that he'd skip out of bed the moment he heard. Like Dave Bardsley. Skipping down the wing. But it didn't work. Dad just lay there. He didn't move. Like his male assar after he's been tackled. <laughs> I wasn't going to give up trying to get through to him, though. After I told him about Hullet and Van Basten, I took things further. At the end of July, Watford won a bunch of friendlies in Scandinavia. Yes, the first game was five nearly, if I remember. That's right, and I told Dad that Hullett had scored when it had actually been Tony Agana. That's a decent swap, my boy. Then the second game was 9-0, and I told Dad that Van Basten had scored six. I thought he'd be happier with that than hearing that someone called Peter Hetherston had tapped one in. Peter who? I must have missed him, son. Exactly. A Watford fan didn't need to be in a coma to miss Peter Hetherston, Dad. They could have just blinked. <laughs> <laughs> That's true enough. But it still wasn't working, Bill. Even with these international stars scoring all these goals, Dad didn't wake up, so I invented another big signing. I told Dad we brought Gary Lineker back to England from Barcelona. How much would that have cost, son? I told you it was a couple of million. In reality, we'd signed Trevor Senior from Reading. If I'd known that, I'd never have wanted to wake up which is why I didn't tell you, and basically why I was getting myself into this whole charade. Anyway, Bill, 
After we'd signed Trevor Senior, things started going south pretty quickly and I had to start inventing results because the real results weren't something I wanted to tell Dad when we lost a friendly at Northampton. I told Dad that Van Basten and Lineker had linked up brilliantly and scored 10 between them in a 12-0 win. Lineker was just a filthy goal hanger. GT would have hated him. Obviously, I got myself in pretty deep by this point, Bill. I told Dad that Taylor was still our manager, that John Barnes was still at the club and that we had three new world-class players on the books. Anything less than winning the league title was going to be a disappointment. But I carried on and I probably didn't do myself any favours when I went and told Dad we'd signed Diego Maradona from Napoli too. I didn't stir, apparently. Not a flicker. <laughs> I half wondered if Dad was getting blasé, hearing about us signing the best players in the world. Now, now, son. I've never been a Man United fan. <laughs> anyway, then things escalated a bit more, Bill. Golly, how much further could you go? Well... The league season was about to start and I thought to myself, with so many superstars playing for Watford, Dad's going to want to hear what happens in these games for himself. I thought he'd love to hear a radio commentary and, well, I'd always had a bit of a talent for doing impressions, so... His Jack Nicholson used to be really good, Bill, and his Mick Jagger. Go on, son. Do your Mick Jagger now, for Bill. N not now, Dad. I could do all kinds of voices, you see, Bill, and I was really good at doing the bloke who did the commentary on the Watford Highlights video. Mike Vince. Just a minute, hold on. <coughs> Just preparing. Uh, uh, mm, mm, me, 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 me. Uh, uh, uh. Right. Oh, my word. I could make myself sound like the legendary voice of Watford, Mike Vince. Goodness. That's incredible. Decent, innit, Bill? It's exactly like him. Just like he sounded on my VHS tapes. Go on, son. Do Mike Vince doing the Richard Johnson's goal. I love that one. Sure, that's classic, Vince. <clears throat> Cometh, Mr Johnson. Cometh the back of the neck. <laughs> oh, that's uncanny. Actually, son, I meant the other John goal. Oh, right, right. <clears throat> Johnson at the help yourself counter and coming away with a basketful. <laughs> Brilliant. I remember that one. So, Bill, because I could do a decent Mike Vince, I sat myself down at a microphone and recorded a completely invented match commentary onto a cassette tape in Mike Vince's voice. I told Dad I'd recorded it off Chilton Radio and I played it to him in his hospital bed. He didn't half go to a lot of trouble for me, Bill. Definitely. To be fair, I didn't go completely overboard. I could have used a C120 tape, which had two hours of recording time, but C120s were more expensive. I only used a C90 tape, with just the 90 minutes, which meant none of the games I invented could have any injury time. <laughs> Jeepskate, skimping on your poor old man when he was on his deathbed. Anyway, I did a commentary for the opening game of the season at home to Wimbledon. It was hard work, all right, imagining the action on the pitch and trying to describe it in a Mike Vince way, but I did OK, I think. Go on, son. Give Bill a taste of how it would have gone. Well, it would have been something like... Uh, <clears throat> John McClelland, short to Diego Maradona wearing 10, 
Maradona playing in Barnes, who puts it across. Here's Lineker at the back post, who finishes with no little aplomb. <laughs> I'd have loved to have seen that. What was the final score in the game? And there is the final whistle. It's an opening day to remember here at Vicarage Road. Watford 17, Wimbledon nil. <laughs> you horns. <laughs> what was the next game? Forest away. It would have been along the lines of... Uh, <clears throat> Graham Taylor there shouting on the touchline, telling Rude Hullett to get up the pitch. And there goes Hullett, receiving the ball from Kenny Jacket. Glides past Des Walker, taking him completely out of the game. Slides a pass to Van Basten. And oh, a lovely goal. A sumptuous pass and an emphatic finish. Van Basten makes it nine for Watford at the city ground. <laughs> Marvellous. Then what? What came next? Well, then Dad died. He never woke up. That was it. Oh, golly. That was a shame. A shame? That's not how I felt about it, Bill. It ripped my bloody heart out. You're right, though, Bill. It was a shame. <laughs> it meant I arrived up here in Hornet Heaven and found out for myself what had been happening at Watford. Dave Bassett. What a knob. <laughs> Actually, son, I'd love to hear Mike Vince saying that. Oh, no, Dad. Mike would never have said anything like that. That's right. Mike was always the consummate professional. And, well, that's the story, really, I guess, Bill. Basically, I ended up going to all kinds of lengths to try and wake my dad up from a coma. Well, thank you for telling the tale. That's really very... Hold on, son. That's not the story here, isn't it? No. Me dying wasn't the end. It only meant I was up here and you were down there. Then what's the story, Dad? We didn't see each other for years. Well, you couldn't see me, but I was standing next to you on the Vicarage Road Terrace every game in our usual place. Were you? And then I was sitting next to you when Jack Petchy built a stand there. Not the best period of football, mind. You're not wrong there, Dad. But I had it better than you, Dad. Down on earth, I could still listen to Mike Vince commentating on the club's videos and stuff. It made things a bit more bearable because when Watford were terrible, he was always honest with us. That's right. I was still down on earth back then myself. I loved the resignation in his voice. You mean like... Watford leaving themselves again with a big mountain to climb. You make him sound as tired of the rubbish down there as we all were up here. <laughs> Mind you, that petchy period wasn't all bad. There were some players I really loved. Me too. Players like... <clears throat> Nigel Gibbs, Watford's Mr Dependable. Now you're talking, son. Gibbsy was definitely my kind of player. Proper Watford. Not like that cheating little sod Maradona. I'm glad we never actually signed him. Wait, are you saying you wouldn't have enjoyed my commentaries with Maradona and Lineker and the rest? Well, I'd have enjoyed Mike Vince's voice. You know, there's something about it. It just says Watford Football Club. For me, it does, anyway. 
Hearing it always gives me a good feeling, which, as a matter of fact, takes us back to the story. Does it? How? I'll take it from here, son. So, the thing is, Bill, that last year the lad and me were reunited up here. That must have been a lovely moment. It was the greatest thing that's ever happened, Bill. It means I've got my best football mate with me in all it heaven, forever. Thanks, Dad. That's nice. Oh, I didn't mean you. I mean Mike Vince, or his voice, anyway. I've got Mike Vince's voice with me for the rest of eternity. You'd better be joking. <laughs> of course I am, son. Well, maybe only half joking. You see, Bill, this lad of mine does Mike Vince commentaries for me now. When we go back to our favourite old matches. The other day we went to... Uh, go on, son. Give Bill a clip from the game, uh, the Nigel Callaghan goal. You mean the... Uh... The ball drops to Callaghan and... My word! The youngster makes it 6-1. Watford leads 6-5 on aggregate. No one is here tonight will ever forget this game as long as they live. And longer. <laughs> you know what I love about that? Down on earth, no commentary on the Southampton game exists. You can only get it in only heaven, Dad. That's right. And it's not just me who loves a bit of Mike Vince with their football, is it, son? You're in proper demand now. Last season, people were queuing up to hear you do a Mike Vince commentary at all those home defeats we had. Yeah, I think hearing a voice they'd heard during the Perryman years reminded them that last season wasn't the first time Watford had been completely terrible. <clears throat> Norwich reached the byline. George Cooker looks to intercept. And oh dear, he's toe-poked the ball into his own net at the near post. And that's yet another defensive calamity from Watford. <laughs> I was thinking, Bill, you could get my lad doing commentary on your magical history tours. Goodness. Now there's an idea. That would be wonderful. We could even offer people Mike Vince commentary tours, where he commentates on Watford games from way before Mike Vince was around. That's a great idea, Bill. We could go back to 1959-60. <clears throat> Cliff Holton runs out to take the penalty at the rookery end. And, well, if the keeper had got in the way of that, his head would be somewhere in the allotments. Or all the way back to 1881. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a good one, Dad. <clears throat> the ball sticks in the mud. Can Henry Grover get there before the London Orphan Asylum centre forward? Oh, dear, that was... Well, let's just say it was a very sturdy challenge from the founder of the club. That would be great. Anyway, Bill, that's the story for you. Do you reckon you can use it on one of your chat shows? Hold on, Dad. How can that be the story? Doesn't the story need a beginning, a middle and an end? I'm confused. <laughs> Sounds like you've lost the plot, son. A bit like Dave Bassett did. <laughs> I'm sure Bill gets it, though. All that stuff about the coma and about Mike Vince isn't the real story, isn't it? No. No, no. Then what am I missing, Dad? I think what your dad's saying is that the actual story is about you two. A father and a son. What you share, what keeps you close and always will. Oh, right, I see. Which means, 
in Hornet Heaven, it's a story to be continued. Hey, <laughs> exactly. Bill's got it. Come on, son. Let's leave him to his work now. He's a busy man. Well, thank you for coming, gentlemen. It's been lovely. OK, but are you sure you've got everything you need from us, Bill? On your chat shows, the stories usually have some kind of big finish. Won't ours need a drop-the-mic ending or something? Oh, no. Definitely not. When the audience finds out they can have unlimited Mike Vince commentaries forever, they'll never want you to... Drop the mic. <laughs> the End A Good Impression was written and produced by Ollie Wicken. It was read by Colin Mace and the voice of Watford, Mike Vince. For more information on the Hornet Heaven stories, please visit hornetheaven.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>